planet sown in beings. Our generations overlap like shingles. We don't fall in rows like hay, but we fall. While we breathe, we open time like a path in the grass. We open time as a boat stem slits the crest of the present. She writes beautifully. Helps to remember that life is such a gift. We don't fully realize how precious until we hear a young child speak. Or until ours or a loved one is nearly lost. Or we suffer a terminal illness and anticipate losing our own life. Or others anticipate losing a loved one. And I realized that in an entirely new way. When I was told back in 1999, a long time ago, that I had cancer, I really didn't realize that I could die. I knew that I would eventually. I don't want those, and I realize that I don't want those whom I love and who love me to go down into a deep despair and be preoccupied with <laughs> To be sure I want to be missed. But even more, I hope they can celebrate who I was to them. I would hope they will celebrate the relationship we shared and the gifts we brought into one another's lives. As Pablo Neruda wrote, if I die, I don't want your laughter or your steps to waver. I don't want my heritage of joy to die. Live in my absence as if in a house, a house so transparent that I, lifeless, will see you living. And if you suffer, and if you suffer, my love, I will die again. Now this is Memorial Day weekend, a time when we specifically remember those who died, serving and protecting their country. Now my sermon title comes from a poem by Stephen Spender. At the end of the poem, he wrote the following words. The names of those who in their lives fought for life, who wore at their hearts the fire's center. Born of the sun, they traveled a short while towards the sun and left the vivid air singed. Stephen Spender wrote that poem shortly after World War I, when the violence of war was fresh in his mind and in the minds and the hearts of people around the world. Stephen Spender himself experienced the violence and destruction of war, and his poem was inspired by soldiers who fought heroically for their countries in the face of the brutality swirling all around them. As a young boy, I was highly influenced in the 1950s by the patriotic television shows romantically portraying the heroism of our American troops during World War II and during World War I. My friends and I enthusiastically 
underground forts and trenches in the fields and the woods near our homes. Bunkers, if you will, playing army games, imagining ourselves to be brave and heroic members of the United States Armed Services. During that time, I also started practicing the trumpet and learned how to play. By the time I was in junior high, I was regularly asked to play taps at the cemetery of our small town Memorial Day services. Initially, I played the echo a few hundred yards away from the person standing next to the ceremony. Eventually, I became the one who played the taps near those who were leading the event. I enjoyed having what I considered to be an important role in our Memorial Day services. I also began to understand something a little bit deeper. In wars, many real live soldiers died, and many more suffered life-threatening injuries, both physical and mental. We were, after all, we were in the cemetery, the playing of taps. Initially, the playing of taps was a signal to all the soldiers that their camp was relatively safe, that there was no one attacking at the moment. The sound of the taps from the bugle indicated that no enemies were near, and it was okay if you were off duty to settle down, close your eyes, and go to sleep. Today, Cemetery. It has become pretty much associated with burials, even though its original use was not so somber. Taps' exact origins are debated, but the taps we have now were composed by the Civil War Union bugler, Olive Norton. He delivered it, or he derived it from an earlier piece in, from 1835 called the Scott Tattoo, when it was used originally, for lights out, for soldiers who were encamped together. Eventually, both sides of the Civil War heard Oliver Norton's tune drifting over the hills. And soon, it was stems from the desire to honor the massive number of Civil War dead. The Civil War dead on both sides, civilians and General John Logan, the National Commander of the Grand Army of the Republic, proclaimed that the 30th of May, 1868, be designated for the purpose of strewing with flowers or otherwise decorating the graves of comrades who died in defense of their country during the late rebellion and whose bodies now lie almost in almost every city, village, and hamlet churchyard in the land. We identified it as Decoration Day in a so it wouldn't be a celebration of a battle lost or won. When Decoration Day was first observed at Arlington National Cemetery, there were 2,000.
5,000 participants decorating over 5,000 graves, or 5,000 participants decorating over 20,000 graves, I'm sorry, Union and Confederate graves, both. By 1880, all of the northern states were observing Decoration Day. The South, however, issued, refused to observe that day for the honoring of their dead. It wasn't until after World War I when Decoration Day shifted to, from the Civil War dead to honoring all those who died fighting in any war that southern states started observing Decoration Day. The day slowly came to be called Memorial Day. But it wasn't until 1967 when President Lyndon Baines Johnson officially named it Memorial Day. Now, I cannot claim my heritage of serving in the armed forces. I personally didn't serve in the armed forces. My father didn't either. He was too young for World War I and too old for World War II. Neither of my grandfathers served in the military. In fact, my maternal grandfather and his two brothers left what has become the Czech Republic in the dark of night to avoid being drafted into the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. I did have several uncles and cousins who served in the military, but no siblings. And even
John 15, the 13th verse in the Christian scriptures is, advises us that no one has greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, in essence, that's what many war dead have done. Laying down their life for others, their comrades, and their country. Memorial Day is meant to honor those men and those women who have died serving their country in many valiant dedicated ways. We remember and we give thanks to those who have paid the sacrifice of giving their lives in service to their country. The ancient book of Ecclesiasticus, again, after honoring famous men, he said, in the Korean War, 47,424 in the Vietnam War, 1,742 and counting in the Afghanistan War, 3,527 in the Second Iraq War, and thousands and thousands in smaller wars and individual battles, totaling some 664,440 killed and about 1,500,000 wounded. And this doesn't include the thousands of soldiers who have committed suicide after leaving the armed forces, or the millions of civilians who were killed during these wars and other wars. Memorial Day is about remembering those who died in the service of their country. War is not a picnic. War is not something to celebrate. Nor do I think it is something at which children should be encouraged to play. The totals of all these who died in our wars tell us that war is violent. Here in coastal Maine, we live near the water's edge and have seen both the fantastic beauty of the water as well as the frightening forceful destruction and power of the sea. Those who have served this country at sea have personally experienced both the force of the stormy oceans and the horrible violence of war. Here in Castine, we have seen over the years, over at the Maine Maritime Academy, thousands of young sailors being trained to master the skills and gain the courage to go out to sea. 
those who have served at sea during times of war, did so, knowing that each day could be the last and that no one might know where they would lie in the sea. We recognize with appreciation all those who served on land and at sea, especially substance. 